Welcome to the NM Cool podcast. I'm your host, Mary Charlotte Domandi. NM Cool is the New Mexico Coalition to Enhance Working Lands, and its fifth annual summit is happening in the spring of 2022. This is a time of uncertainty and profound change when so many of us are fatigued from multiple stresses, and so it's more important than ever to focus on effective collaboration and good working relationships. This series of six podcasts addresses some big topics facing people who are working with the land, and we hope it helps you stay on course and resilient. One of the big challenges of farming that we don't probably talk about enough is emotional well-being and mental health. But our guests today are talking about that, and in fact, they've started a new program to exactly address the challenges that people on the land are having. The program is called AgWell, which is at agwell.org, and Clinton Wilson is program director. It's a program of the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union Foundation. Dan Waldfogel is director of external affairs for the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. So we're going to talk today about AgWell. This is a program whose purpose is to help farmers and ranchers who are suffering the mental and emotional stresses associated with agriculture, which have always been there, but they're exacerbated now, today, by multiple circumstances, including COVID and climate and so on. Just as some background, how did each of you get involved in creating this program and and the whole question of agrarian mental health? Sure. Mary Charlotte, I can start off. This is Dan. You know, I came on to Farmers Union as a staff member about four years ago. Prior to that, I was a a chapter leader down in Salida, Colorado, and I was also working on a cattle ranch down there. During the period of about a year and a half, we lost three members of our agrarian community to suicide. Uh, We lost a cowboy that worked with us every summer moving our cows up on the high country. We lost a gentleman that we shared a fence with and uh, shared a division box on the ditch with. And then I also lost a member. I was his mentor. He was a beginning farmer rancher. And I think that's what really started to create that awareness for me around this issue. And unfortunately, a lot of times it is that emergency or crisis that kind of brings things to bear as far as as an issue maybe that's been bubbling up. When I came to Farmers Union as a staff member, I was excited to carry on a little bit more of the work that they've been doing in the past. So a number of years ago, Farmers Union, along with Colorado Farm Bureau, Colorado State University, and Colorado Department of Ag, came together to really develop an awareness campaign and to reduce stigma around mental health when it comes to farmers and ranchers and worked with the Colorado Crisis Center on promoting that as a resource and then also with training call takers to kind of understand rural and ag issues for folks on the other end of the line. Because I think there's a lot of institutional knowledge as well within the organization going back to the farm crisis of the 80s and and even before that. Uh, You know, farming and ranching, I think the one consistent thing is that there's a lot of unpredictability and there is a lot of chronic stress. If it's servicing debt, if it's, you know, you're not so silent partner, mother nature, if it's climate change, if it's regulations, uh, it can be a lot of different things. Maybe even working with a, within a family business. 
So I was excited to kind of be able to take on that role. And, and we, as an organization, really started determining, you know, what was our appropriate place within this. So we started holding a lot of listening sessions starting in 2019. We met with a lot of farmers and ranchers. We also met with mental health professionals, with different organizations across the state, different state agencies. We're really looking to determine, you know, what was our appropriate role in this and the AgWell program is really what we came up with and are really excited just to be able to be moving this forward. And then Clinton Wilson, was we were able to bring on last December and has really taken a lot of the ideas that we came up with and put them into action. Yeah, thanks, Dan. For the past four years, before I came to Rocky Mountain Farmers Union, I was the executive director of a farmland cooperative here in northern Colorado called Poudre Valley Community Farms. Through that time, I worked with a number of fantastic farmers and ranchers that were integral parts of the community that had been here for a while. And three of the ones that I was working with most closely just began to share about some of the struggles that they not only had with their farm and ranch operation, but also in their personal life. One of them really had a health crisis and was unable to work for a season and a half, really unable to uh, get out of the bed and to continue working. It was an undiagnosed condition, and this farmer was just a dynamic force for farming and ranching and agriculture and a voice that was advocating here in our community, and it was really a hard thing to watch. Another one of them had chronic skin conditions that was undiagnosed. They couldn't figure out where they were coming from and they didn't know what was going on. And I saw the toll that that was taking on them and the ongoing costs that it was costing them. And then the last one was a person I was probably closest with. And uh, we were working on a couple of projects together and he sent me an email one day and said, Hey man, I'm not feeling well. And I checked back in with him a few days later. And he told me that he had had a panic attack while he was on a, uh, call with somebody and then it happened again and uh, it really just opened him up to, wow, I've got a lot of stuff going on. And so I realized that beyond just land access, which is a huge concern and issue for most small scale farmers here in Northern Colorado, really any farmers that are looking to have a uh, successful farm business here in Colorado, you know, the extreme impact that all the other stressors that were going on that were having them both physically, mentally, and emotionally in their relationships was just extreme. So as I started wrapping up my work with PVCF, I was presented with this program that RMFU uh, had gotten funded and was looking to roll out and got really excited, reached out to Dan. Dan and I had worked a couple times together in the past around some other issues in farming and ranching. And I was happy to learn about the work that he did and was really excited for the opportunity to join the program. Now, you're working in Colorado and also New Mexico and Wyoming. What kinds of challenges? I mean, you talked about some of them, but I mean, what's specific to Western states, especially during this kind of aridifying era? I mean, how does that affect the mental health and what other stresses in the West specifically affect farmers and ranchers? Well, Mary Charlotte, I think that certainly drought is just this ongoing stressor. You know, that's the hard thing with drought. Even sometimes getting it declared as an emergency is challenging because droughts linger. 
they can take a while to, to come on and, and the effects can last even sometimes after you get back to 100% snowpack. You know, in the Rio Grande Basin in Colorado this year, they are currently at a 100% snowpack and they'll probably get about a 70% annual river flow. So 30% of that water is going to either go back into really parched soil or it's going to evaporate before it even hits the river. So the impacts of climate change, in addition to this persistent drought that has been in existence, is a really big challenge. I think another challenge that the unique challenge that the West has is a lot of times we're pretty spread out. You know, in the Midwest, 40-acre, 80-acre farm might be able to support a family. Out here, we're operating on pretty massive landscapes. So you have to really be intentional around developing community as well. So I think that sometimes folks can feel a little bit more isolated. In addition to that, you know, I, I mentioned emergencies and crisis, including suicide. Farmers and ranchers have some of the highest rates of suicide of any occupation, and our Intermountain West has some of the highest rates of suicide in the country. So you take those two layers and and pile them on top of each other. Our population of farmers and ranchers are certainly at risk. And certainly I would also say that regardless, I think our farmers and ranchers in the West have to be, they have a foot in each camp a lot of times when it comes to the necessity of adopting new practices while supporting tradition and the things that have sustained their families sometimes for generations. Or we have a lot of people out in the West too that are new to agriculture. And I think that that can be sometimes a little bit of a confluence that can create ongoing tension because as folks are adopting or trying new things, you can feel pretty isolated and alone as well. But, you know, I think just the reality that exists is if we're going to continue to build resilience and continue to produce food, fiber, and fuel, you know, I I think there are going to have to be some changes that are made. So that's another step right now that I think the West is experiencing probably a little bit earlier than maybe some other parts of the country is we're really starting to see some of those effects of of aridification and climate change and and all of those things. So it's, it's a little hard for folks to step out of that comfort zone. One of the things that Clint and I were talking about the other day is there are so many extra stresses caused by the COVID pandemic, and there hasn't been as much attention paid to these stresses on farmers and the contributions of farmers. I mean, people are probably more aware of food and supply chains than they were, but a lot of the media attention has gone to the issues of doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and frontline workers and essential employees. But COVID has hit farmers really hard in a number of ways. Talk about that. Yeah, I saw it really on the small scale in farmers markets, how farmers markets were shut down, the restaurant industry that were supporting the uh, small local food producers here in our town, you know, really impacted them. The supply chain issues with getting seeds, with getting other equipment was really a limiting factor for these smaller operations, for any operation. And for the ranchers that were raising livestock, the slaughter facilities and the ability to get meat processed into their people that were depending on that was really limited throughout the uh, whole past couple of years. Yeah, you know, in addition to what you mentioned around supply chain challenges, 
are also just increased costs. We're seeing it with all kinds of inputs, but increased costs on materials and packaging and labor. You know, early on in the pandemic, agriculture was deemed essential. And I I think that's a a great thing. I absolutely believe that, that agriculture is essential. But the impact to farmers, ranchers, and farm workers was significant. A lot of operations were able to continue operating and were somewhat able to operate on as business as usual. But certainly there was a lot of concern and fear around a lot of that unknown, especially early on with farm workers as far as employee housing or other necessary workplace improvements that needed to take place around providing PPE or education. Certainly, I know a big impact that I heard from a lot of folks too was your kids home, remote learning. You might have a partner, maybe you have a job on Main Street that all of a sudden the business is shuttered or you're working remotely. So there were, I think, a lot of just basic changes that that affected a lot of folks across the country. But when you have a, a farmer ranch business that, especially ranching, you know, a lot of times that's 24 uh, seven, you got livestock needs. It's hard to a- adopt some of those changes and be flexible as you adopt there. And I think another big thing to keep in mind too, is that vast majority of farmers and ranchers, we don't have a lot of negotiating ability when it comes to the prices we receive. So as you have increased costs to production, you got to figure out how to make that work because you don't have a lot of ability to, to impact some of the other systemic inequities within the food system. So I think that was also an ongoing thing too for folks is, you know, as you see 5, 10, 15% increases or maybe even more on certain costs that you have for just operating costs, that can add up pretty quick when you're already operating on pretty thin margins. Right, right. And something that you've alluded to, which I think is important to talk about really specifically, is that we can talk about farmers and ranchers. There's also their families and their kids and agricultural workers who work for them. And all of them are are affected and all of them are part of this community that may need mental health services. Yes. And one of our big goals for this coming year is to really create some adaptations and enhance our programming to reach those families, the youth, the agriculture workers that maybe English is their second language, and support them in their whole health well-being as well, and making resources available that are specific to those populations. Because you're right, oftentimes they get overlooked, and the focus is on the business or the finances, and not the uh, people and the um, families that are often seen in the background or not seen at all. Now, all of this is, is seems awfully depressing, and we're going to get to like the good part, which is the services that you're providing, and, and it's important to talk about that. One of the things that's in the way of people seeking out services is just this stigma associated with mental health care. Perhaps, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps more in rural communities than urban What do you see with regard to stigma? How do you get past it? You know, I think it's it's an evolutionary process, and it certainly takes time. Part of it is probably changing some cultural norms, especially out in the West. I think we we tend to pride ourselves very much on being self-reliant. Even our communities tend to pride themselves on being self-reliant. You know, you don't necessarily see 
volunteer fire departments in the middle of the city. Uh, you don't see communities that come together to, to clean the ditch, uh, community brandings maybe for cattle, volunteer ditch boards, and, and so many other things that make our communities really unique. At the same time, I think that sometimes that self-reliance can be a little bit of a barrier for asking for help. Showing that sign of weakness can seem like a sign of failure. At the same time, I think access to care is also a huge barrier when it comes to folks living in our rural communities, to a point, too, that I think we we sometimes take measures into our own hands a little bit as far as self-medication or trying to bridge some of those needs. So I, I do think that the stigma conversation is ongoing and it's slow moving, but I do think we're going in the right direction. We're hearing agricultural organizations, no matter what stripe they are, they're really starting to open up to this conversation and lean into it. At the same time, I think it's really important to provide actionable processes for folks to not only talk about these things, but to actually have next steps as far as reducing that stigma, almost breaking through that stigma in some ways as well. I remember talking to a gentleman named Robert Fetch several years ago on the Down to Earth podcast, and he was saying that For example, if you have a group of farmers who are talking and one of them shows signs that he might be not doing well or might even be suicidal, there are things that you can do and say instead of doing what many of us do is keep our mouths shut and hope for the best. But how do you like, how do you train people when they're or educate people when they're talking among each other to notice those warning signs? I think a big part of this is, I guess it would be considered prevention, you know, helping people stay healthy and happy, providing some of this vocabulary to really work through wellness in a lot of ways. Um, You know, I think a lot of times if you're working with an individual that's in crisis, sometimes that's almost too late. It's really challenging to steer that trajectory once you get to that point. But what can we do as a community just to kind of incorporate a little bit more of that wellness and listening and communication that's so important to make sure that folks are feeling supported? You know, I guess the analogy a lot of times I use is what I call upstream prevention. How are you helping people when they're ankle deep in the stream versus downriver when they're in the whitewater torrent? And I think that there's a lot more we can do to lift people up and and support people before we end up in some of those situations. I think the upstream conversation has been a big part of what AgWell is realizing is the gap and that prevention ideology around how do we avert the crisis by intervening before we get there. And, you know, your question, Mary Charlotte, really highlighted the need for community within the farming and ranching communities the comfort around these conversations is hard and a lot of times we want to avoid them and so normalizing these conversations by talking about them is important but also having a community that you trust and that trusts you so that when you say things like that they not only listen but they ask you about it and then they follow up we've recently partnered with high plains research group or network out of northeastern Colorado who created a program called Comet. And one of the main things in Comet is really helping people see the value of being the other person 
that really is able to help them change their trajectory without doing much other than just listening. We don't have to fix the problem. We don't have to save anybody. We just have to be there and hear them and let them know that we're with them and they're not alone. I know that in my life, there have been a number of people that have been that for me. I've had some health issues that have come up. I had a couple of unforeseen heart surgeries. And during that time, I was not able to interact and be a part of the community in the same way. And there were a number of people that kept checking in, kept bringing me things, kept asking me questions and keeping me engaged so that I didn't go in my own little hole by myself, but I realized that I was with others. And so they were people I trusted. And I think that in regards to what Dan said, answering directly, I think that the more the conversation happens, helps us become more relaxed in it. The more we realize we don't have to fix it, the more that we realize that the pressure's not on us to do anything other than just be a friend. And farmers and ranchers and people in rural communities, like Dan said, they have a pretty amazing network of support already instilled in most of their communities where they help each other out. They come together at harvest time. They come together when there's a crisis in the community. And most of them are really willing to serve their neighbor. There's somebody here in Colorado that I'm going to mess up the language, but he has a sticker created that says, what if you looked after yourself as well as you looked after your livestock or your community and really prioritizing that piece that Dan said about the prevention where we really are able to identify it within ourselves and then ask for help before it hits that crisis point too. So let's talk about Agwell. It's a new program. What does it look like so far? What are you hoping for? And what kind of community input are you looking for as you develop this program? So Agwell itself is launching right now. We have kind of been rolling out Agwell that was really the result of us needing to find a name to get a website so that we could really get this work that Dan kind of initiated a few years back with the uh, Rural Peer Assistance Program that he started in 2020. Um, You know, what we originally called the Rural Peer Assistance Network came out of the idea that Really, because there are big challenges with access to care, also because there are big challenges with some social norms around stigma, around even just feeling somewhat uncomfortable with having these conversations, we really looked to our communities and to the leaders within these communities to kind of help be that conduit between their friends, their families, their neighbors, and available resources. Originally, We even after conducting a lot of these listening sessions, we started thinking, well, should we put together a database? Maybe you can type in your zip code and and there'd be some resources that pop up uh, for your area. And as we really navigated that, essentially, I came to the conclusion that cold technology is no substitute for a warm body. So really utilizing the amazing leaders that we have in our communities was really the direction we wanted to go. So we first developed a training that we call Running on All Cylinders. And that's really a general education awareness campaign around the unique stressors that farmers and ranchers and farm workers face, uh, what really makes our communities unique, and then also tips and strategies for staying healthy and happy. And there certainly is a fair amount of discussion as well on the impacts of stress on crisis, including suicide, 
in that as well. But that's kind of our general level education curriculum that we utilize. Ideally, it can be a little bit more modular. So as we talk about some of these chronic stressors, maybe there's ways to talk about these concepts within that. So if somebody's putting on a drought planning workshop or uh, estate planning, maybe it's crop insurance, maybe it's business planning, it could be a, a number of different things. Are there components that we can incorporate into some of this type of offering that so many different groups provide? But the next level to that is what we call the peer listener. So that is kind of taking this information and putting it in action. So helping community leaders internalize this and then kind of be that conduit within their communities to available resources. So that can really be almost anybody. That might be a county commissioner. That might be a, you know, a farm bureau or a farmer's union chapter leader. That might be a hairdresser. That might be a bartender. It can be really anybody that is interested in engaging and kind of taking this to the next step. The step above that, as we kind of go up in levels of intensity here, is the support system for the support system with the understanding that... What does that mean? So what we're asking of folks um, that may not have a great background in mental health, they may not have certifications or education on providing some of these services, it's kind of helping them establish clear boundaries and guidelines for how they can be supporting their community it's also kind of providing support for them with the understanding that, um, you know, they probably will be absorbing some level of stress as well as they kind of have some of these tough conversations as they kind of dive into to areas that may not be terribly comfortable to talk about. So that might be some level of support, um, such as group calls, group meetings, maybe it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, maybe it's just kind of helping them create some more skills around active listening and engaging folks. And kind of the last level of an intensity uh, here is connecting to care. So are there ways that we can provide additional resources for folks to be able to connect to those resources? You mean like therapists? Therapists is a, is a great example. In Colorado, we've partnered with Colorado Farm Bureau, and they have started a program called CAMP. It's the Colorado Ag and Addiction Mental Health Program. And that essentially is a voucher program. So we've secured funding for farmers and ranchers and their family members. They can access up to six sessions of therapy at no cost to try out talk therapy and see if it works for them. It's through a particular network of therapists that agree to uh, a, a certain pay standard. So if that person continues therapy, it's not exorbitant as far as a cost. They also provide some agricultural competency training for these providers as well so so they understand you know the community that they're that they're set to serve but also that might mean um, connecting to care that might also mean helping provide a professional pathway for some of our peer listeners for folks that are generally interested in this you know we we see a pretty big disparity growing as far as a lot of these services are coming from urban and metro areas how do we develop more of these services in, in every community across the country. Part of that is gonna be developing professional pathways for people to, to gain more education, maybe certifications, going through programs, maybe it's different things for them to kind of be able to work within that whole biome of whole health. So mental health, but also so many other aspects to important services that are provided a lot of times in, in, in more of our populated areas, but sometimes are pretty sparse in rural areas. 
And ideally, you know, that's going to be people that have grown up there. They have roots there. They want to stay there. So how do we maybe create some of these opportunities in the future for kind of that rural development in some ways as well? One of the things I think about is this whole concept of situational depression. And to make an analogy, there was a period not very long ago where women did not have access to most professions outside of teaching, nursing, and secretarial work, pretty much, or staying at home and being full-time homemakers. And a lot of women didn't want to do that, and they were depressed. But it wasn't really about becoming happy in that situation. It was about changing the situation. And when you look at the kind of situations that farmers find themselves in, one can understand why there's a rate of suicide and situational depression. It's not that they are poorly adjusted to the situation. It's that the situation is is so bad. So how do you think about that? I mean, becoming mentally healthy in a situation that is that is so fraught. Yeah, mental health has so many variables and it's different for all of us. And it has origins from all different places, from our earliest memories to the current moment. And um, it's really hard to give that the attention that it needs sometimes because there's so many other pressing factors right now that those factors that have kind of brought us to this space that we're in have just built up over time. And so the thing that for me has been the most important one, seeking therapeutic help for me was a hard thing to come to terms with, and it was super valuable, and I'm incredibly grateful for the awarenesses that I learned from that. That said, having a community that I belong to, that I feel like is in it with me, feels so paramount to any work that I've done on my own, because I realize that A, I'm not alone, the things that I'm dealing with aren't unique to me, and that there's other people that are in this and together we can carry these uh, stresses and these challenges and these hardships way easier than if we all try and do it on our own. And so for me, as I hear your question, I really go to that place of belonging and being a part of a community that we engage in is so valuable. And that's often really hard because farmers and ranchers are often isolated out on the farm or the ranch or the ag workers are in their specific place doing what they have to do to keep their business alive, to keep their family supported, to keep, you know, the crops or the agrarian focus that they have succeeding. And they often put themselves last, which again, leads to crisis instead of, as Dan was talking about before, that prevention space where we really start focusing on the importance of each of our health so that we can give back to not only our own business, our own work, our own family, and our community and contribute in meaningful ways. And I think it's also important to say specifically that a lot of the problems that farmers are encountering, they have in common with all the other people in their community and knowing that it's not your fault necessarily. Mm. It's not a mistake that you made, I think is important part of the understanding. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate your comparison with other social movements because I, I absolutely agree. There are numerous systemic inequities within the food system. 
and farmers and ranchers at times can feel fairly powerless. But absolutely, there's so many other stakeholders as well that don't necessarily have a lot of negotiating power when it comes to creating a more fair, equitable system. And I think we have a long way to go. Um, I know at Farmers Union, that's an ongoing charge, I think, since we first started in 1902, looking at a lot of these issues to today. And we still have a heck of a long ways to go. And I know that there's so many other amazing organizations that are coming together to do that. And I, I really appreciate Clinton's message, too, around community and working through this. Because at the end of the day, we have to put the the breathing mask on first uh, to take care of ourselves if we're really going to take care of others. And if we're going to be able to create this important change that needs to happen within our food system, we need to be starting with ourselves. So I definitely look at this very much as a as a yes and situation, because we do get that comment a lot from folks. Well, the way that you're going to make this better is to fix it when they're talking about whatever chronic stressor this person's dealing with. And yes, I absolutely agree with that. But a lot of times, I think helping people gain the skills to navigate that chronic stress so it doesn't weigh on you to be able to understand how to reset, how to make sure that you are being as successful as possible in that, I'll call it a struggle, in that constant struggle with a number of things is going to be really important because this is certainly a complex challenge that is going to take generations to reform and to fix. So we have to start somewhere, but also I think we have to start with ourselves first to to ensure that we can be successful in that. You mentioned just a moment ago, Dan, tips and strategies for staying happy and healthy. Can you share one or two of those tips and strategies? Like what's an example of that? Sure. Yeah. You know, and in our, in our workshops, we go through a number of categories for folks just to kind of figure out what might work for them and what might work for them might be very different than what works for other folks. But we'll look at different things such as your professional life. Maybe there's things when it comes to, you know, physical exercise or spiritual, emotional strategies. Uh, we kind of go through each of those and kind of help people determine what, what might work well for them. And sometimes it's really simple ideas, but it's that ability to kind of develop that muscle memory, if you will, over developing some things that will help you kind of reset and recenter, especially during those really busy times, during that harvest time, during calving season. Uh, God knows right now there's a lot of people spending a lot of time with a flashlight out there checking on heifers right now. For me, that might be turning off the cell phone at 8 p.m. And, and not checking those emails that come in. It might be kind of going through a, a certain breathing exercise if I'm laying in bed thinking through things over and over and over again and not being able to sleep. Maybe it's kind of going through a little exercise to kind of help my mind slow down. A big thing for me is walks with my wife and our dog. You know, it seems like if we actually just get out and spend 15, 20 minutes taking a spin it not only gets both of us outside of our head, I think the dog appreciates it too. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's pretty simple things. You know, for some people, it might be yoga or meditation. For other folks, it might be staring at the end of a fishing rod or sitting in a duck blind. A lot of times those have pretty similar results. So it's going to be dependent on things. And it may sound trivial, but it can be extremely important for that level of self-care just to kind of develop some of those habits so when you do get into the tough times, when you get into the feeling like you need to be going 24-7 because you're constantly falling farther behind, it really helps you kind of 
recenter a little bit. We had a an old timer uh, in a workshop a few weeks ago say, you know, he shared this story about onion harvest and and how if he takes 15 minutes for a lunch break, that that just means he's 15 minutes farther behind. And I thought about that a little bit, and it, I, it kind of made me think about when I first started a ranching job, we were cutting hay. So I was told, go grease the swather and then start cutting the hay. We were behind. I think something happened with irrigation that morning. I thought, well, I don't need to necessarily grease that swather. I did it last <laughs> time. I'm sure it'll make it through the day. And by about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was metal flying and sparks and everything else because the the machinery broke down. And I think of it kind of the same way as some of these maybe minor things, some of that preventative maintenance for ourselves that kind of help us move forward and be successful and and hopefully not end up on fire about 3 p.m. in the afternoon with rust and dust and, and cussing and everything else. Before we move on, I'd like to just say, I don't think it can be understated the little things that each day people who are working in agriculture often bypass. Dan mentioned it was sleep. Sleep is so important, and it's not as easy as saying just get more sleep. There's so many ways that we can help create uh, the better opportunity for people to get sleep, but sleep is so important for the human body. Um, Water, Dan talks a lot about his commitment to drinking more water, and I think that it's specifically important as summer's approaching and the high, hot, dry climates of the West, you know, for people to stay hydrated because that can really affect us eating throughout the day, you know, getting good fuel in. But the thing that for me is just breathing. And in those moments, you know, when you start realizing things are not going the way you wanted or things are approaching crisis level to just really stop and return to your breath. And we do in some of our trainings give some breathing techniques, but I don't think that breath can be emphasized enough as far as the place where we can reground ourselves to where we are, who we are in this moment, and just give our brain and our body that fuel it needs from taking in some good intentional breaths. Most of the breaths we breathe throughout the day, we don't even think about. But those moments where we stop and really breathe in, they really can reset. And that goes along with that taking a walk, getting off the farm or ranch or what you're doing for 10 or 15 minutes can be so valuable to reground you in what's going on so that you don't stay in that moment that's just bringing you down. And like Dan said, sometimes you don't feel like you can, but sometimes it's the most important thing to do to say, okay, I'm going to give myself 10 minutes. I'm going to go for a walk and just breathe. If people want to find out more information, they can go to agwell.org. If somebody is in crisis now, what should they do? If somebody wants to join your workshops and find out more, what should they do? So the crisis now, Colorado has a great crisis line. Uh, You can go to agwell.org and we have resource pages that highlight that. Farm Aid also has a great crisis line. Those are listed, but... Somebody should seek help immediately, either through a crisis line, through their personal provider or whatever, reach out for help. With AgWell, if somebody wants to attend a workshop, if somebody wants to have us come and schedule a workshop or offer a workshop, there's contact form there to reach out to us to say, hey, I'd really like to attend one of these or I'd like to host one, um, and we'd be happy to do that. We have three 
workshops that are listed on there right now, one that's geared more towards farmers and ranchers, one that's geared more towards people that are supporting agriculture in different ways, whether or not it's extension agents or brand inspectors, bankers, veterinarians in these rural communities that are constantly supporting people in agriculture. And then the last one is this training that I mentioned a moment ago, Comet, that really talks about how to be that other person that helps uh, provide support to someone that you know, or someone in your community that has need. The last thing that I'll pitch right here is we are going to be launching in April a Wednesday conversation that's really going to be centered around some wellness topics each week. And really, it's a conversation to get people to connect on how do we incorporate these in our lives to keep us as we talked about earlier, um, happy and healthy, and even to keep us where we're able to respond in those challenging moments. Kind of a uh, oxygen mask, as Dan mentioned, uh, that we can put on ourselves so that we can be there for others in our community, our families, workers on the farmer ranch. Anything else you want to let people know before we go? Yeah, just our desire to be collaborative and to collaborate with anybody who is seeing this need and wanting to support farmers, ranchers, ag workers, and their families. We would love to connect with them. We would love to figure out ways to work together, cooperate, collaborate to uh, do this. Because like I said, we often get in our own little silos and doing our own work. But when we join together, we can do a whole lot more work and a whole lot more impact. And uh, that feels like an important thing to get the word out. Dan Waldfogel and Clinton Wilson of AgWell. Again, agwell.org. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah. You've been listening to the NM Cool podcast. If you want to learn more about the New Mexico Coalition to Enhance Working Lands, visit nmcool.org. That's n-m-c-e-w-l.org, where you can listen to other episodes of this podcast and learn more about our members' work and ways you can get involved.